jump into the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, we'll be in chapter uh, 12 of Romans, Romans chapter 12. And uh, Pastor Josh will be back on Sunday morning. Um, talked to him uh, Sunday after service and sent me a couple pictures of some nice-sized sharks he's been catching. And uh, just pray for him and his family that they have a nice restful time away. We do appreciate all that he does for us, and he does deserve a, a restful uh, time just to get away and relax with his family. And if you would stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word when you find your place in Romans chapter 12. And Romans 12, chapter 1 through 2 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, many of you maybe even have memorized this passage. But the Word of the Lord says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth that is in it. We thank you for a place that we can come and uh, worship you, Lord, in a country where we don't fear of persecution at this time, uh, just freely assembling. And Lord, we thank you for the brave men and women who have fought for this country to give us these rights. And Lord, we just pray as we open your word tonight, Lord, that you would help us to examine ourselves, myself included, Lord. And Lord, if there's any area where we are not a living sacrifice, to you, Lord, that you would convict us of that, Lord, that we would not hold anything back from you, and Lord, that your will would be done in our lives, and we would not be conformed to this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, we ask all this tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Also, tonight begins our first night of Awana, so that, that's up and running again. Um, we're excited about that, and they just it's an exciting time uh, to be a part of the church, and uh, it's an exciting age when uh, you see uh, the things that are unfolding in our world around us, um, and, and I think between the first century uh, of Christianity and where we are at in these last days, um, there is probably the two most exciting periods uh, that I would want to be in as a Christian. And uh, so in this introduction tonight, Paul here has just concluded the first 11 chapters of explaining correct doctrine and what God has given to us as believers. Uh, Paul now charges those believers with what they need to give to God. And what I mean by that is Paul here is going from orthodoxy or or, 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 our doctrine uh, to orthopraxy and how do we practically live that out. The key idea in this section is, is on a relationship. Um, if we have a right relationship to God, to God, our vertical relationship, then all of our people relationships, which we would call horizontal relationships, um, will be in a right relationship with them if we have the vertical relationship correct with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so the key to spiritual victory and true happiness is in not trying to get all that we can from God, but by giving all that we have to Him. Um, there's a lot of people that'll, that'll come to a church, uh, I don't say a lot, but um, there are people that sometimes will come to a church, uh, or maybe they will even just come to God for what they can get out of God. Um, what can I get? And you see that in a prosperity gospel, health, wealth, fame, and when those things typically do not happen, they say, well, you just didn't have enough faith to make those things happen. But when you look at Jesus Christ, he never had any wealth, he, you know, as far as earthly treasure, I should say. Um, he, he obviously gained much fame for his miracles and what he was doing, but at the end of his life, there's only some 500 followers of Christ. And so, as we look at this passage of Scripture tonight, we need to examine ourselves, and are we walking in a, a worthy walk of the Lord, and also are we a living sacrifice to the Lord? And so the key to spiritual victory and true happiness is, again, not what we can get from God, but... Or are we giving him our all? Is, is our, and it's this paradoxical statement. It's like kind of upside down thing in God's economy. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, he says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake 
shall find it. And we see the same thing in Luke chapter 9, verse 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And so here in this passage, Paul is emphasizing in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, not that we need to receive more from God, but what we need to give more to God in our, in our personal devotion time. Uh, the key is not in getting more, but rather in giving all of ourselves to him. John chapter 4, verse 23 says, But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshippers worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. Verse 24 says, God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we must translate our learning into living. I'll say it again, we must translate our learning into living by showing our daily life in our daily lives that we trust God and we trust him for his word and the truth that is in it. Uh, God gave himself for us in order that we might give ourselves to him. And so tonight the question I begin to ask is, what is true dedication? What does true dedication look like to the Lord? And I believe Paul here is describing it as uh, Christian dedication involves three steps that we'll unpack tonight, which brings me to my first point. Our bodies must be given to God. That's the first thing. Our bodies must be given to God. To God, And we see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies. You present your bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so when we see this, I beseech you, when we look at that, beseech means to appeal, to beg, to implore, or to plead. And John Phillips said it like this, I beseech you, means God does not compel or coerce the believer into presenting his body. He does not corral him and bridle him like a horse and force him to obey. He beseeches him. He wants an unbridled sacrifice. It makes, he makes it clear that to present the body to God is for the believer the proper thing to do. And Vance Havner said this. He said, God wants self before substance, and service. So the proper term and order of it is self-service substance. That is the divine order, and nothing else counts until we give ourselves first. And so a lot of times people will get that backwards. They'll get busy about serving. Uh, they'll get busy about maybe giving of their substance, but they still hold back certain portions from the Lord. And what I mean by that is they're not going all in. Some people hold back certain portions of their life, of their walk, uh, and they say, no, God, you can't have this area of my life. Um, and he's asking for a total surrender. He's asking for an all-in commitment from his followers. Uh, there's some here tonight that, uh, whether it's in this, this sanctuary or it's in another room in this building, there's some here tonight in this building that can't even begin to present their bodies as a living sacrifice because they are still a natural man or woman. They are not saved is what I mean. And 2 Corinthians gives us this. 2 Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so when I was lost in my sins, dead in trespasses and sins, uh, for the majority of my life, I lived that way until I was 30 years old. And so I served self. I didn't have any reckoning to follow what the Lord had for my life or any desire to live for him. Uh, and so I was lost. I was a servant to self. And so a natural man cannot receive the things of God because he is still in the flesh. He's natural. He has not been born again. Only the redeemed can present a living sacrifice to God because only the redeemed have a spiritual life and only believers can come to God or before God with an offering of themselves. And so therefore, uh, you see that in verse 1 there. He says, therefore. And so anytime you see therefore, you must ask, what is it therefore? And again, it's that transition from the first 11 chapters of Romans of doctrine to now we're going to practicality. We see it in Ephesians. In most of Paul's letters, you will see this where in Ephesians, the first three chapters are, are, are doctrine, and the last three are how do you practically live those things out. And so when we look at this, this therefore, in the letter of Romans, there are four of them. 
Romans 3.20 is the therefore of condemnation, declaring that the whole world is guilty before God. And then we see again in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, there's a therefore, and that is the therefore of justification. And in Romans 8, there is a therefore of assurance. And then here in Romans 12, chapter 1, or chapter 12, verse 1, we see we have a therefore of dedication. And is this dedication that is the basis for other relationships that Paul goes on to discuss in the rest of Romans chapter 12. And so we can't, again, when you look at Romans chapter 12, the first two is your dedication to the Lord. And then from there, starting in verse 3, it begins our, our role in how we serve and live out that in the lives of others that are in and of our lives. And so um, it's, it's the service of love to all, um, starting there in verse 3 through the rest of chapter 12. And you get into some spiritual gifts as well there as you're reading through Romans chapter 12. And then when you get over to Romans 13, it's speaking of our, our relationship to the government and, and those in authority over us. And so this is this practicality of where we must have our, our relationship with the Lord right first. And so let us not forget the vital part of doctrine. It's the first two letters of doctrine, and that's do. We must do it. Um, we may think of, we know Romans chapter 1 through 11, but we don't unless we allow it to know us. Um, It's one thing to have a head knowledge of the Scripture, but it's another thing to allow it to take shape in our lives and for it to conform us and to us to live that out to those that we encounter with in our day-to-day lives. And we are living it out practically in our day-to-day walk. And James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, Be ye doers of the word, it says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And so we're not just to to sit and to take in the Word of God, but we are to actively live that out in our day-to-day interactions. Paul frequently uses therefore to mark a point of the turning from theological to practical. This shift can express it in many ways, from doctrine to duty, or maybe from creed to conduct, uh, from a Christian wealth to our Christian walk, and from exposition to exhortation, basically. Uh, the mercies of God. We see that there in verse 1. The mercies of God are probably the two most precious mercies of God that I can think of are His love and His grace. And God, His love was an action. We know that in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we see that this is the, the first step, I think, of His mercy. Uh, we see that in His love. But then we also see grace. And what I mean by grace is that his grace is all around us. And I would say grace can be defined as God's favor towards man, towards unworthy man, or God's benevolence on the undeserving. And so we didn't deserve anything but death and hell because of our sin. Our sin has separated us from God. But in his mercy and his grace, he's freely given us his son to call upon for salvation. Thirdly, um, we see that spiritually we are uh, destitute, we're blind, we're unclean, and we are dead. Our souls were in peril for, uh, and bound towards everlasting punishment. But then came grace. Grace, grace, what grace? God's grace. Um, God extended his favor to us through grace. Grace is what saves us, Ephesians 2.8 tells us, right? For by grace are you saved. And so grace is the essence of the gospel. Acts 20, verse 24 tells us that. And Jesus Christ is the embodiment of grace. It tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, that he was grace. He was coupled with grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And so the psalmist asked the following question. He asked this in Psalms 116, verse 12. What shall I render unto God or unto the Lord, for all his benefits towards me. So what, what should I render unto the Lord for everything that he's given to me? That, that's the psalmist's question here in Psalm 116. And the answer simply is our lives. Our lives, it is the component of a living sacrifice. We are to li- live a sacrificial life towards God for what he has done for us. Uh, this thing we are commanded um, is to present to God our bodies. And presenting our bodies to the Lord is part of our spiritual worship. And what we do with our bodies will have a direct bearing on how God will reward us one day. And this is one of my favorite Bible verses. Uh, as After I have uh, 
having studied the Word for several years now, and um, we, we use this oftentimes when we do the Share Jesus uh, method, when we're out reaching the lost in the community, and, and we're going through the questions, and we get to share the gospel with them. And this verse is one of the highlighted verses, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And it says, And that he died for all, Christ died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And so therefore, because of what he has done for us, for you and for me, as we've called upon him as our Lord and Savior, we should no longer live unto ourselves, but we are to live accordingly unto him and his glory because of what he's done for us. As we talked about on Sunday, it was, you know, you don't do so that you are loved, you love, so therefore you do. You abide because of what he has done for us. And so a pastor friend of Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, there are too many cafeteria Christians in our congregations. Instead of letting God plan the whole meal and accepting it, they pick and choose what they want. I I was a picky eater growing up. Anybody else a picky eater growing up? I have a picky eater in my house. He's like, peanut butter sandwich, oatmeal, and maybe a, um, a cheese pizza. I mean, that's his, his realm. Um, but there's many Christians who want to pick and choose what they want from God, and instead of letting God plan the whole meal, they pick and choose what they want, and they miss out on the best dishes that he has for them and that he has fixed for them. And I would say this tonight, God wants all of our hearts. He doesn't want just part of it. He wants every aspect of our heart. He does not want to be in competition uh, for any false idols, any, any false gods. Um, and he wants all of us. And he expects us to obey all of his will. And in all of our ways, we are to do that. Um, if Jesus Christ gave his all for us, how can we do less than give our all to him? And so are we, or so we are uh, to present ourselves a living sacrifice because we are alive to God in Christ. Romans 6.11 tells us this. Romans 6.11 says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this word present, it basically means to yield. We're to, to yield ourselves. Uh, the appeal is to will. Uh, Paul is saying is to yield our bodies. Um, your total personalities to God, your will to God. Uh, the body is the instrument through which we express ourselves. The mind, um, the, mind the effects, the affections of it, the, our will, and the Holy Spirit can use the body. All those. Uh, the mind can use our body. The, the affections of our, of, uh, of our desires can control our body and what we do. Um, our will will also kind of make our bodies do what we want. Um, and sometimes I'll say this, we have to will ourselves. Uh, anybody have to maybe will yourself to read the Bible. Um, sometimes it is, is one of those things that it's not a natural thing that we would always want to do, especially early on. If you're a babe in Christ, like I remember when I was early on in my Christian walk, there'd be days that I would read it and then there'd be like, I'd go weeks without reading it. And so it was getting to the point where I just had to will myself into reading the scriptures, to studying the scriptures. Uh, same thing with prayer. Um, we could take it to the physical realm, and, and there's many days where, um, you know, to actually want to exercise. Like, it's like, I don't know that I really want to do that today, or I want to eat healthy. Like, I see a donut, and I want to eat it. Like, that's my kryptonite. Like, I, I, sometimes it's hard to say no to that, but other times I have to will myself to say no to the, the, the donut that's right before me. Um, and so we have to make sure we're taking these, and, and basically we're, we're submitting to Christ, is the, the impetus here. Romans 6.13 says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. And Paul goes on to say in verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin or death or of obedience unto righteousness. And so Paul here is saying, hey, whatever you're serving, that, that's who you're, you're servant to. Um, are, are you serving sin or are you serving righteousness? And, and so 
Verse 19, he goes on to say, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members uh, servant to righteousness unto holiness. And so we're to take our bodies, we're to no longer serve sin, we're to serve Christ, we're to serve in a righteous manner. And so friends, are we servants to sin tonight or are we servants to righteousness? Um, Are we to glorify God in our bodies? And the answer is yes, we are to glorify God in our bodies. There's several passages of scripture that say this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your what? In your body. And in your spirit, which are God's. Philippians 1.20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that nothing I shall be ashamed, I shall be ashamed, but with, that with all boldness, as always, so now Christ shall be manifested in my body, whether it be life or death. So I'm to manifest Christ whether I'm living or whether I'm dead. Throughout that process, I'm to manifest Christ. I am to live that out. I'm to magnify him in my body, I should say, not manifest. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.10 says, Always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And so our bodies are to be this living sacrifice. We're to do that. And I believe Paul really understood this. Because you see that in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he tells us this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. If we could have that verse, please. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and he gave himself for me. And so, when we are now in Christ, we are to crucify the flesh daily. Uh, we are to, to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when we do that, we are crucifying the flesh every day. It's dying to self every single day. And so the problem with a living sacrifice, I will tell everyone that's here tonight, myself included, is that a living sacrifice, they tend to want to crawl off the altar. Anybody ever have that happen? You set a New Year's resolution hey, I'm going to eat right this year, and like six days later, you've fallen off of that. Like, I do that sometimes. It's like, ah, why? My flesh is so weak. Um, and so it, there's, there's times when we're going through, um, you know, it, and we're, we're trying to set parameters, whether it's, hey, the new Bible reading calendar this year, and I'm going to study the Word of God more than I ever have. Um, but at times, our flesh is so weak, and it wants to crawl off that altar. It doesn't want to die to self. The the flesh is very strong. And the main point is that although the Lord may ask some of us to physically die for him, he asks all of us to live for him. There may only be a few that are actually martyred, especially where we're at in the West here. There may become a day of that when that may unfold. But there's Christians all around the world that are dying for Christ every single day. And so there's only some that are called to die All are called to live, though, I would tell you. And in some respects, it may be harder to live for Christ than it is to die for him, I would say. But if we are living for him, we will be ready and prepared to die for him if we are actually living for him in the moment, um, in our our daily walk. And so we need to remember our Lord's command in Luke 9.23. And it tells us this in Luke 9.23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I really think this is the verse where Pastor gets that denying the selfies. Like he's he's big on nobody taking selfies. And maybe he pulls it from this verse. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But uh, we are to deny ourselves daily. Um, And we are to take up our cross daily and to follow him. We're to die to self. And I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. He said this, present your bodies. That is, present your vessel. That must come first. A vessel that has not been presented will not be filled. God cannot fill what he cannot have. Present your vessel. And so are we presenting our vessels to the Lord so then he can use us for his glory? Friends, listen, we need to be more like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we see that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. They refused to partake in what the king had had given. 
They, they refused to bow their knee to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So we live in a day and age where we are in a Babylonian culture. And we as Christians must not bow our knees to what the culture has deemed as right because it's wrong in the sight of the Lord. Daniel was prepared and willing to to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. It did not matter what King Nebuchadnezzar said or what the people of the nation were doing. Look, friends, if you put God first and you present your bodies a living sacrifice, if I present my body as a living sacrifice to God, look what God does in chapter 1, verse 10 of Daniel. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So that's what we must do. We must present ourselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And we see there in verse 1, as we continue breaking that verse down, it says, Which is your reasonable service. It's our, it's our reasonable service. It is not only reasonable for man to believe or be available to God, it is even your logical reason for existence. Paul is saying in light of the depth of the riches that we have received from Christ and the wisdom and knowledge of God, basically, and his unsearchable judgments and his unfathomable ways, and because from him and through him and to him all things receive glory. And we pull that from Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36 tonight. And it says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and of knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, and to whom be glory forever. Amen. And so including his immeasurable mercies that that we have received, it is only our reasonable service to give back for what he has done for us. I think Paul is saying here something like this. If you weigh weigh out all that God has done for us in mercy and grace and of light of such a, a, of our sin, and we would actually truly get a hold of how sinful we are. And I truly believe we get a real clear picture of how sinful we are the closer we get to God. You look at Isaiah. He said, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. I am undone. And the closer you get to God, the more that light sheds the sin that's in our own lives. Um, and so th- what I tend to notice over the years of ministry is the people that are a little further away from the Lord, they, they tend to point out the sin in others first uh, before they see the sin in themselves. And, and the closer you are to the Lord, you just see the sin that is in yourself more so than what is going on in other people's lives. And so here we, we see that in, in light of what all of God has done for us and how sinful we are, um, basically that His righteousness, the only reasonable response is to lay our life on the altar to Him. And so there's a, there was a, a pig and a hen that were walking by a church sign one day, and the church sign said, how shall we help the poor? And the hen looked at the pig, and he said, hey, we could have a ham and egg breakfast. Several moments later, the pig's pondering this, and he's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This only, this only is, is requiring a contribution on your behalf but it's requiring a total commitment on my behalf. And so when we think about that, that's exactly what God is calling for us to do. This is what God is asking from you and I. He wants all of us, not just a portion of us, not 99%. He wants 100%. And this shouldn't, shouldn't scare us, because if we let God have our lives, he can do more with it than what we can do on our own. The rich young ruler, think about this, the rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he's, he's consecrated part of his life to the Lord, 
But he wasn't willing to go all in for the Lord, was he? He, he was giving him a portion, but he was holding back. He was willing to give an inch of his life, but he wasn't willing to go the miles. He would go part of the way, but not to the end. And the peril is upon all of us as well. Uh, we give ourselves to the Lord, but we reserve some liberties for some of us. Um, I've been guilty of this at times, and, and my walk with the Lord is like, I, I, it's just, you're, you're just not sure. You know, it's like, well, I trust him with my salvation, but can I trust him with this part of my life? Can I trust him with my kids? Can I trust him with my finances? And all these things. And so sometimes we, we hold on to things. And it reminds me of the, the parable of the talents. And you have these guys that were, were given the talents, and, and two of the three did very well with the talents, and, and the Lord increased them. And the one that had little or no faith, he buried it in the ground. And so here, basically, what I take from this is that we all sometimes hold things back from the Lord. but He's wanting us to offer him all. And so sometimes uh, we offer him a house, but we mark some of the rooms inside of our house private. He doesn't have a key to that area. He cannot enter there. And that word private means denying the Lord admission. Um, and it basically, it crucifies him afresh. He has no joy in the house as long as there's any rooms that are withheld from him. And so F.B. Meyer was told that in his early Christian life, his ministry was paralyzed just because he had kept back certain areas of his ministry. He didn't trust the Lord with certain areas of his ministry. He didn't trust the Lord with certain areas of his life. And the one key of one room kept him from being used greatly by God in that season. And the Lord is shut out of those areas. Um, and the effect of this incomplete consecrations were found in a lack of power and a lack of assurance, a lack of joy and a lack of peace. And so the joy of the Lord begins when we hand over the last key. When we've totally surrendered it all to the Lord, if you can remember that day of salvation when you got saved and you were broken and your sin and you finally just trusted in the Lord and you gave that over to him, the weight that was lifted off of you, in that moment. That's what he wants throughout your whole sanctification process. He wants that. He wants every bit of your life. He doesn't want us to hold back portions of that. And so when we hand over that last little bit, we sit with Christ on his throne. And as soon as we have surrendered all our crowns and made him sole and only ruler of our lives and its possessions, that's when he can truly work in the believer's life. And so the question I have for us tonight is, what keys are we holding out? What rooms are we locking him out of in our lives? Are there any? Or are you totally committed and giving it all to him? And the other question I would ask is, did Christ hold anything back for us? He didn't. He gave, he, he gave his all. And so that brings me to our second point tonight. Not only do we, must, must we give our bodies, but we must also give our minds. Our minds must be given to God. And we see that in Romans chapter two, verse, or chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the world wants to control our minds. Uh, we are bombarded with advertisements. Uh, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day. 75% of all advertisements in the United States are from big pharma, from pharmaceutical companies. Um, and, and so uh, we are constantly being... Uh, conditioned in different aspects of our mind. And the world is trying to conform us or mold us to what the world is. I mean, it is the mind that, and keep in mind, it is the mind that, our, that, that we are to renew every day. It's the old nature wants to come back up, and we are to renew that. And it is with the mind that we make choices of whether to feed our flesh or to feed our spirit. And so here we see Paul's command was gentle yet firm uh, and that we are not allowing ourselves to be conformed to this world. Uh, we are to stop allowing ourselves to be fashioned after this present evil age, he's telling us. Uh, God has continually charged us both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to not conform to the ways of this world, of the lost hell-bent world. And we see that starting in Exodus chapter 23, verse 2. It says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. In Deuteronomy 8, 9, 
18.9 says this, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the, inhabit, the abominations of that nation. So he's given the, the Israelites, he's given the Jewish nation a command not to do as the lost around them. You're not to take in the abominations of the lost people around you. And we see in John 15, verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And so be not conformed here literally means do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Now that's what this really means as you're, as you're breaking this down, looking at it. It basically means do not allow the, war, the world to conform us to its shape, its mold. And so what are the desires of the, of the world that we see around us? When you look at the culture, you look at the world, there are four things I believe that this world is, is, is pushing towards. There may be more, but the first one I see is fortune and money and materialism. Um, and, and Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon, right? And so the first chief uh, uh, you know, that I see of the, you know, what the world is pushing is, is fortune, it's money, it's materialism. The second thing is, is fame popularity and acceptance. Um, you see that on social media everywhere. It, it is a push for acceptance. Uh, there's so many teenagers that, that, are, that are just wanting to be accepted in the day and age that we live in. They're trying to be um, conformed, and you see that they take after um, influencers that are on social media, whether it's on TikTok or just different ones. Uh, but they, there's a push for this fame and popularity. The third thing is power, influence, and control. And we definitely have seen that over the past two years with COVID, right? Uh, there's a push for power and for control. And, and once they get a taste of that, they do not want to let that go. Uh, we see that in, in the day and age that we live in. And that's, that's what the world is. And we know who's the power, the prince of the power of the air. It's Satan. Um, and he is the, the prince and the ruler of this world. Fourthly is the pleasures. There's a, 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 a sensual desire. We see that in the day and age and what we live in. Um, with sexual revolutions and different things, but there's, there's a push for all those, fortune, uh, fame, power, and pleasure. Uh, we must not be shaped by these influences. This cannot be any part of the Christian walk. Um, and so it is not uncommon for the unsaved to present themselves as Christians. We can see that. We looked at that on Sunday um, with those that um, are, fa- are, are false professors. They, they don't abide in Christ, and we see the true believers that do abide in Christ. And unfortunately, it is also not uncommon for Christians to wear the mask of the world. We want to enjoy all that the world has to offer from entertainment, fashion, vocabulary, music, and many of the same attitudes, even when they don't line up with what the Word of God says. So we have to be cautious of ourselves and of our walk. Um, Because the biggest thing that I I can remember growing up in high school was that, that hypocritical student. Or in the workplace, I go to work and Know somebody that was a Christian when I wasn't one. And the moment that they don't walk the walk, that they're talking, it's like there's a hypocrite. And it's easy to point that out. And so we have to be cautious of it because our testimony can be destroyed in an instant. You could spend years building your testimony. And then in a moment, it's destroyed just like that. And so we have to be cautious that we don't conform ourselves to the world, but we transform our minds. We, we, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we do that through God's word. Uh, we do that through prayer. We do it from being in his word and the, the um, assembly of believers and not forsaking that. Uh, many of us have made decisions, uh, maybe this past week or in times past, that we were going to go all in for God. Um, let me ask this, are you a Demas tonight? And you may say, what do you mean by that, Braden? Look with me at Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, as they put it up. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And Philemon chapter 1 verse 24 says, uh, Marcus, Aristarchus, and Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. And so you see Demas, he's a man that seems to be following the Lord. He seems to be serving the Lord, I should say. And you see at some point, Demas made a decision. And that decision reflected giving service to the Lord's work. However, at some point, something changed in Demas' life. And you see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, 
having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians, and to Galatia, Titus, unto Dalmatia. And so we see that Demas fell in love with the present world. And if we are not careful, we too can fall just like Demas. But Christians take heed of this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so friends, let's say, uh, let me say this. To be a Timothy, we need to be a Timothy, or we need to be a Luke to be faithful to the very end. I think of, of Paul and and, and uh, when he's writing to Timothy, he says, I finished my course. I, I, I fought the good fight. And so he stayed the course. And we too must stay the course. Instead, God through his word tells us that we need to be transformed. And we see be transformed. It comes from a Greek word, metamorpho, which you can guess is where we get our English word, metamorphis. And so this Greek word is where we get our English word, metamorphis. Um, our inner redeemed nature also is to be manifested outwardly, um, but as completely and continually as possible in our daily lives. This is to be displayed not just inwardly, but outwardly. Uh, we are commanded to allow ourselves to be changed outwardly into the conformity of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. So we're to be transformed from glory to glory. We're to aspire to the outward change, but it can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit working within us and through His Word. We see that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the what? The Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. It's the Spirit that transforms us, that allows us to uh, fulfill the, 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 the Spirit, basically, and not walk in the flesh. The Holy Spirit attains this transformation by the renewing of our minds. David testified to this in Psalms 119, verse 11. He says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's God's word that is the instrument. It's God's Holy Spirit that is used uh, to renew our minds, in which, in turn, he uses a, to transform our lives to a living sacrifice. So, how is your Bible study going? How is your prayer life? Because if we're not doing those things, if we're not the basics, we cannot expect to have a transformed life. Those are the, the basics. Um, people don't act like Jesus because they don't think like Jesus. The only way I can know how Jesus thought and his actions were being in his word. I'm not going to go to the lost world and they're going to tell me how Jesus perceived the world and how it acted. I'm not going to go to Walmart and find it, right? Um, I know how I was as a lost teenager. I would pick on those Christian kids in school uh, for talking about moon dust when they were trying to talk about creation versus evolution. And I was just ignorant. I didn't know there was a such thing as moon dust. And, and, and so, the, you know, I'm taking a rabbit trail here to get it back on course. But um, you're not going to find that out in the world. The only place you're going to see what Jesus was about and, and how we need to live our lives is through the Scriptures, through the Word of God, and His Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of us. Um, nobody, let me say this, nobody can walk with God for you. Nobody can walk with God for you. You can't live off of other people's altars. I can't live off of Pastor Josh's altar. I can't, and you can't either. Um, you think about that. Who... We all, you know, we come to church, we come to be edified and built up so then we can go out, like Brother Tom said, and evangelize the world. Um, but if, if all I'm doing is getting Sunday morning or Wednesday night here and I'm not feeding upon the Word of the Lord and the Word of God throughout the week, I'm famished. I'm not going to be in a right spiritual condition. I'm not going to be able to face the, the wiles of the devil. I'm not going to be, with, to, to be able to be a light in my community and so we can't live off of other people's altars. I used to say that all the time to our teens when I was back there with them before, like, you know, the body parts started failing and the workman's competition. No, I'm just kidding. Those were just, if you're here Sunday, you get that. Um, but I would tell the teens all the time, you cannot live off your parents' altar. You can't live off your grandparents' spiritual altar. It has to be a personal, intimate relationship between you and the Lord. And so if we ever feel that the Lord is distant, we need to check where we're at because he hasn't moved. We have. Uh, he, we're the ones that are prone to wander. 
And so listen to Colossians 3.16. I love this verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So that is just so rich. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When we come to the word of God and whatever time you spend with the Lord, you know, if you're a morning person, and that's me, I love to get up early and in the morning spend time with the Lord. Some of you are like, man, that, that's devil workshop. You know, you're not a morning person. You're not going to be in the spirit. You're going to be in the flesh. You haven't had the three cups of joe or coffee, whatever you want to call it, in the morning. You're more of an afternoon person, or maybe you're an evening. Uh, but we need to know that when we come to the word of the Lord, that we, we take time to dwell in it richly. We let it meditate. We let it soak in, and, and we don't just haphazardly read it or just to check off a box we allow it to sink in we we meditate on it day and night as deuteronomy tells us and and so are we doing that the transforming renewed mind is the mind that is saturated with the word of god say it again the mind that is renewed is is the word of is the mind that is saturated with the word of god um, it is the mind that is set on the things above colossians 3 2 tells us that set your affections on things above not on things on this earth. And so I, if I can just be honest, I was down and, and just little, I, I told Brother Tom about it on Tuesday. There's just things that go on and, and you see things in the, the attack on families, uh, the attack on families in the church and the, the, the spiritual warfare that is going on. And, and you see sometimes spiritual um, mentors that you look up to in the faith that fall. And Tuesday was one of those days for me. It was just a rough day where, like, you see, like, just some, some news that comes down and, and some spiritual mentors you look at and just guys in the faith. And, and so what I had to do is not allow that to deter my walk. I had to set my affections on things above. I had, and what I did in that moment, I realized I was starting to get a, a downtrodden spirit or a downcasted soul, as Psalms would declare it. And I went to the book of Psalms, and I read that, and then I went to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, to remind me, hey, I need to set my affections on the things above and not on the things of this earth. And so when we do this, we make our lives a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is just our reasonable service for what he has done to us, or for us, I should say. And so that brings us to our last point tonight. Our will must be given to God. We see that at the end of chapter, uh, verse 2 there. This, it says in verse 2, after you renew your, of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so the third thing as Christians that we must do is, is offering God our will and allowing His Spirit through His Word to conform our will to His uh, when we go to the Lord in prayer, it's not to conform him to us. It's not that we're coming to him as a genie in a bottle and you will give us what we ask. Uh, and through prayer, we are conforming our will to his. Uh, we are allowing him to take root in our hearts and that we are conforming to his image. Um, our lives can prove what that will of God is only by doing the things that are good and acceptable and perfect to God. I'll say that again, our lives can prove what the will of God is only by doing those things that are good, that are acceptable and perfect to God. So perfect conveys the idea of being complete, of something that is being everything it should be. And so in our lives, when we are looking for what will completely satisfy, and we know that it's not the things of this world. The only thing that is, is going to satisfy is the Lord. And, and, and so our will should desire only what God desires and what he wants us to do, and the way he wants us to do it. Um, our imperfect will must always be subject to his perfect will. Um, our wills are imperfect. We're, we're fallible creation. He is infallible. His word is infallible. He is the perfect creator. So in conclusion tonight, a transformed mind produces a transformed will by which we become able, with the Spirit's help, to lay aside our own plans and to accept God's plans no matter the cost. If you're here tonight and you have been born again, you need to have that mindset. And then what I mean by that, this mindset I'm talking about is that God has the right to interrupt our lives anytime he wants. God has the right to interrupt our lives anytime 
he wants. That may look different to different people in this room. Some people, you know, may be called to the mission field. Some people may not. But we cannot, if we say that he is our Lord and Savior, and we trust him with that and say, okay, Lord, you can have this area of my life, but you cannot have this area. God has the right to interrupt my life anytime he wants. This continued yielding involves the desire to know God better and to follow and understand his purpose for our lives. If we're continually to yield to his desire for our lives, we're going to get to know God better. We're going to get to know the will of God for our lives by yielding to him and what he has for us. This divine transformation of our minds and wills must be constant because we are still continuously tempted through our flesh. We are tempted daily in our flesh, and our flesh is weak. If we're not filled with the Spirit, our flesh is prone to fail, it's prone to wander. Our minds must be continuously transformed through His Word and through His Holy Spirit. The end result or product of transformed minds is a life of complete surrender to the Lord. There's nothing that he cannot ask that I will not do. Um, and, and that includes if, it, it's, if, if it's a death, a, a martyred death one day. Uh, things God has declared to be righteous, fitting, and complete, I must seek to do in my life. And so if you would, stand with me. Tonight, as the musicians come, let's ask a few questions. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never called upon the name of the Lord with heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there anyone here tonight that says, Braden, I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. I don't know that I've ever called upon him. I don't know that heaven would be my home. Would anybody be willing to give an uplifted hand? I'm not going to call anybody out. I just want to pray for you. But you don't know for sure that you've ever trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, hey, Braden, I there's areas of my life that I need to surrender over to the Lord. Maybe there's an area that you haven't fully surrendered as a living sacrifice to Him that you're holding back. Maybe an area of your life, a room in your home, per se. Would you be willing to give an uplifted hand that there's areas of my life that I have not surrendered to the Lord? I see those hands, hands all around. Lord, we come before you. You know every heart lost, you know, whether they are saved. Lord, I pray that the first step for those that are here tonight that do not know you as their Savior, that tonight would be the night of salvation for them, that they would come forward, or that they would trust in you, and that would be their first step of being a living sacrifice. Lord, I pray for the hands that went up, many hands went up, Lord, that there are areas in our lives that we have not given over to you haven't fully surrendered or trusted you I pray Lord that you would work in hearts Lord that those things would be laid down at the altar tonight Lord in the days to come Lord that they could trust you you will never leave us you'll never forsake us and your will is far better in our lives when we have completely surrendered all to you Lord take this invitation do with it what you would it's in Jesus name that I pray amen